0: Skinwalker Ranch is the area 51 of paranormal activity. From beams of light and flying objects appearing in the night sky to tales of shape-shifting spirits and animal mutilations and demonic encounters, with the mysterious Skinwalker Ranch is one of the world's most infamous and secretive sites of UFO and paranormal phenomena. The locals say you can't throw a rock in that area without hitting somebody that's seen something. <laughs> That's pretty intense. We hope that you will join us for this week's podcast edition of Nightmares on the Lost Highway, if you dare. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Skinwalker Ranch resides on a 512-acre plot of land. It's in Utah. Uh, it coexists with the neighboring Ute Indian Reservation.
1: I uh, think we need to know Utah County. That seems to be.
0: U- there's a lot of uh, yeah that comes up quite a bit. Reference there. Danger spikes of radiation, uh, moving unknown sources, anomalies. A. Above in the sky, as well as below, possibly in caves, Skinwalker Ranch, also known as Sherman Ranch, located there in Ballard, Utah. Or some people also call it UFO Ranch, which seems appropriate. (laughs) Well, this 512-acre ranch, like I said, it's, uh, actually, I said it was Ballard. It's 512 acres southeast southeast. of Ballard. Uh, There's really not anything close to Skinwalker Ranch besides that. The name Skinwalker, obviously kind of a weird, unique name, it's taken from a Navajo legend, and it's concerning a vengeful shaman. There had been a feud between the Ute and the Navajo tribes, and the Utes at that time were kind of, if you will, aligned with the U.S. government, so to speak. Uh, And the Utes had actually sold some of their own people into slavery, it was said, basically, and well, there was bad
1: blood between those two nations.
0: Absolutely. So the Navajo stepped up and basically, belief is possibly cursed the land that was there next to the Ute uh, tribe for selling their own people into slavery. Um, a lot of weird, weird stuff.
1: Well, and this this property is located 400 miles north of, of the Navajo Nation. So, I mean, it's a ways away, That's but ways. it's not you know not super far away. And like you said earlier, it just sort of A bus right up next
0: to the Ute Indian Reservation. Yeah, a lot of the stories and stuff are definitely kept alive. I saw a lot of interviews and research with uh, members of the Ute tribe there on the reservation. There's certain areas that the Utes to this day, they consider that uh, sacred ground maybe? You just stay away from that area. You don't tread on those areas.
1: Yeah, that area has like a 50-year history of the unexplained a local retired junior high school teacher from Roosevelt Junior High, a a Joseph Hicks. He's investigated more than 400 UFO sightings in the, I'm going to say Yunta Basin, uh, U-I-N-T-A-H. We're going to say Yunta. We're going to say that. That works. And if we're wrong, we're wrong. Uh, But he's investigated over 400 sightings since the early 50s. And reports that UFO sightings in that time have numbered over in the thousands. I've heard this as well. So some reports even include seeing living beings in the windows of the UFOs waving or, you know, indicating that they see you know, the, the viewers. And estimates say that over 10% of the Utah Basin population has seen something. And when I say something, when you when you talk about Skinwalker Ranch, that something's a pretty... Throw a
0: dart. Uh, yeah,
1: pretty broad category. Yeah,
0: everything. Now, one thing I did come across, and uh, there seems to, if you will, energize or stir up the occurrences, is if any digging occurs on Skinwalker Ranch, on any of that area, to the point that the uh, owners now and the previous owners will bring in a tribal elder any time before a well would be dug or any excavation for a foundation. Uh, They were intimidated enough that they would have a tribal elder come in and bless the ground before any digging was done.
1: You have Colm Kelleher and George Knapp, which George Knapp is a common name in these circles.
0: They wrote a book, I yeah. think.
1: They, they saw or investigated close to 100 incidents personally that included vanishing and mutilated cattle, sightings of UFOs and orbs, large animals with piercing red eyes that were unaffected by bullets, Whoa! invisible objects emitting destructive magnetic fields. I mean, like you said, you just throw a dart. Um uh, they had repeated sightings of human-like creatures, and and that sort of led to the the Skinwalker moniker, right? Right. They the old Skinwalker lore, which I don't think they're saying that they're seeing Skinwalkers. They're, I think they're just borrowing the name.
0: Yeah. So I think you're right there, um, along with crop circles, like you said, many yeah. UFO references. So you've got paranormal on the ground, you've got ghost-like creatures, you've got aliens and unidentified flying objects in yep. the sky magnetic weird emfs radiation yeah
1: if you do a search just just a simple google search you, you just page after page after page and it's all so I, I i don't know if bizarre is the right word but yeah like you said this is this is just an area this this one this ranch is just plagued with the unexplained the area 51
0: of paranormal activity
1: and it's not just you know It's not just one people or one family. Now, it does seem that the... Was it the Shermans? I think a lot of the stories come from their time when they owned the ranch. When it was the
0: the Sherman ranch.
1: But I have here even as far back as 1776, Franciscan missionary Sylvester Velez de Escalante
0: wrote about strange fireballs in the sky when he passed through this region. And again, if it goes back to the Indian curses possibly on the land. uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, this was... I mean, it's, weird stuff's been happening here as, as long as people, as long as there have been people,
0: it seems like. And now, to add even more merit to that, I think it was interesting that early on, I'll, I'll say in like the 80s time frame, definitely in the early 90s, enough stuff was happening here regularly that the government did get involved, however, they may say they're now not involved, yeah, I the, did find accounts of government involvement. George Knapp and Calm uh, Kelliger, that you had mentioned, they uh, actually worked for uh, the National Institute for Discovery of Science, uh, which was a group that was founded by some of the most high elite scientists, doctors, supposedly some say government officials, because. There was enough stuff going on. I mean, they took this serious enough that they wanted to be a part of this investigation.
1: Well, I don't know about you, but when you mix up the government in your UFO investigations, especially, let, let's go in this time frame. I know we did an episode about the government kind of being forthright about UFOs all of a sudden. Yes. But when you go back to the... 40s 50s 60s and and then not so much you definitely have a that x-files vibe where the government wants to to crush that kind of thing like every ufo sighting is swap gas or a weather balloon
0: exactly well you know me i'm the historian so i I went back to the ownership i went back i was able to go back to 1930s uh and a kenneth and edith myers yep uh i showed them owning the ranch from uh, 34 to 94. Yeah, they had it for a
1: good long time, but I couldn't good find period of time. I
0: couldn't find any stories from them. I think they were just uh, farmer or not farmers, but ranchers and they were just trying to raise their cattle. They built one of the original homesteads that you'll hear mentioned of yeah. some of the old ghost style buildings. But there there were sightings during that time frame.
1: There's actually an, an issue of the Deseret News, which is the Salt Lake City newspaper, I believe. And uh was nineteen fifty ish maybe, there where they there was like a series of reported UFO sightings during that time in that region, the Utah Valley. So they may not have personally, you know, said a whole lot. And again But other people around were seeing it. You know, maybe
0: they just didn't want to. You know, maybe right. they did see these things right. and they just kind of kept it low key. Well then in ninety four to ninety six, only two years, a Terry and Gwen Sherman owned it. Uh, and that's when, for whatever reason, it had adopted the Sherman Ranch name. I thought that was odd when you have the Myers who had lived there for, what, 60 years? It wasn't the, uh, the Myers Ranch, <laughs> but you got these, uh, the Shermans come in, own it for two years, and now it's the Sherman Ranch. But then in 1996, billionaire Robert Bigelow, uh, quite a colorful gentleman, he comes in and buys it and he owns it from 1996 to 2016 well and he buys it like right after the shermans come out with their story like within 3 months i think of them going public and that is where when bigelow gets involved it's the government seems to be reinvolved again he starts bringing in specialists i mean obviously the man is a billionaire this is something near and dear to his heart. He took it very serious. He tried to hire the best scientists, the best doctors. I know that's, that's when that Colm Kelleher got involved. And he's a biochemist, so he's he's a scientist. He tried to buy the, the best uh, educated men and women that he could to research. And they took it very seriously. They seemed to be very methodical about it. And then in 2016, uh, Bigelow actually sold Skinwalker Ranch for $4.5 million dollars to a group uh, that was simply identified as Adamantium Holdings. I had to chuckle on that. Yeah, I mean, I'm immediately, you know, Wolverine. Wolverine, X-Men, Adamantium. Yeah, that sounds like a shady company. Uh, It was a shell company, uh, no surprise there. Um, But since the purchase, all the roads leading to the ranch have been blocked, locked, perimeter, secured, guarded by multiple cameras, uh, armed guards, barbed wire, signs all over the place you know basically do not even approach not do not trespass just don't even come close yeah just like they, they blocked it
1: off completely which i think um what is it it, it turned out that uh i believe his name Brandon brendan fugal fugal it turned out to be the primary in, in march 2020
0: yeah. it kind of came off the the shell of adamantium holdings kind of came off and yeah. he, he came forward and he's like okay Um uh, I'm 46 years old. I'm a Utah State tycoon. I'm the owner. I just kind of been hiding it.
1: And and he's he's all about making money off of it. The the stories that I read about him. Of course, we have the the, the television show now. TV series. First and, season is uh, out. Season two, I think, is getting and, ready to drop. And he invites people there just to kind of hype the place up. I I think my impression is that he bought it to make money. And. You know, supernatural, paranormal, strange tourism, like we've called interest, it before.
0: A lot of interest. Now, I will say, when Bigelow purchased that ranch, uh, he paid $200,000 $200, for it. So, he did sell it at a pretty good profit from yeah, $200,000 yeah, to, to
1: $4.5 But again, regarded as an absolute hotspot of paranormal activity. So
0: Now, I've got a couple things I wanted to share. In August of 2019, uh, they the, the TV series is there. Um, they actually caught footage with multiple cameras and, um, I won't get into the TV series a whole lot. If you're interested more, that's definitely something I suggest to watch. But the fact is that they had multiple people that saw this video camera footage that caught a silhouette disc. Uh, it was kind of a, a craft, uh, above a large tree. Now, what was interesting is directly beneath this tree was a cow on, on the ranch. Obviously there's multiple cows. But this cow, at the same time when the disc appears on the video, the cow seems dazed and struggling to try to get up. It had been laying underneath the tree. They filmed the disc, and it like almost was directly above the cow. And again, it's hard to tell in video footage, well, was it directly above or was it behind it? But it was lined up, I guess is maybe the best way to put it, with the cow, just for, I think it was 20 seconds, and then it took off. Within hours, that cow was found dead.
1: Well, I think there's also a story where they brought some uh, journalists, and these journalists were going to fly a drone around the property to kind of get a look at it, and then they lost control of the All drone. All kinds of technical. They difficulties. couldn't connect to it, and then they, they would fly it for a little bit, and then they would lose connection. But then at one point, I think the drone's camera picked up uh, an object. Yes. On on you know, and they like a cigar shaped object. Cigar shaped object is common, flying high in the sky. Yep. Yep. But I think if we're going to tell this story, we're going to talk about it. We need to go back to the Shermans. Let's. 1994 to 1996. Mm -hmm. Uh, Terry and Gwen Sherman, they own the ranch. Um, A lot of the early stories, a lot of the stories of Skinwalker Ranch come from this time frame. Now, they, uh, in 1996, spoke to the Deseret News. And if you can find that article and you read through it, and we're going to summarize some of that here. But it's a really interesting read. It's out there online to be read. Um, I read most of the article doing the research for this. They, I mean, they just, they seem like salt of the earth kind of folks. They bought this property. They thought it was just going to be a nice ranch. They're just kind of getting away. Um, but uh, April 1995 is kind of when it starts for them. They get their first taste of what's going what's gonna to happen to them. Terry went out to, to check on a cow that was calving out in the field, and, and he noticed some lights. He noticed some lights out in the field. Now, he assumed it was locals, uh, maybe local kids running around on four wheelers out on his property, which even that seemed kind of weird to him. This ranch is fairly well isolated, kind of out of the way, so it's a long way away. He doesn't have, you know, close neighbors that would be running right. around his property. Right. So when he went out there to look at where these lights were at, he found one of his cows mutilated. And, and that seems to happen quite a, a bit. A lot, yes. Now, the Shermans, they were. Never sure what was going on. Again, they're they're just regular folks. They don't know what what's going on. They thought they even at one point thought you know maybe they were witnessing some top secret government black ops type stuff.
0: No, but, I, I had a story. Not to interrupt you, I think it was the Shermans that mentioned um, they were having they had some young calves that was fenced up in an area and they heard something like that was getting into them. They thought it could be like a mountain lion um i don't know if that was one of your stories but
1: no i don't know i don't know if i found that one. well they
0: investigated and again i think it was the shermans the son came out and the dad and they they had a gun and they witnessed what they first thought was a large mountain lion however as they approached it it looked more like a bear uh it had ripped part of the side of the fence off and what they described i envisioned like the welded cattle panels like very yeah. very substantial 30 Uh, and had ripped it, tearing that apart, and had pulled a calf halfway out. Uh, They shot this thing three or four times, and it didn't even seem to phase it. The dad at this point, you know, hollered at his son to get back, basically let's retreat. At that point in time, the father said it stood erect on its back two legs, and it had a wolf like head.
1: Okay, I think I did find this story. It was uh inscribed as a wolf three times larger than yes, a normal wolf. Exactly. So yeah, this they thing shot it like at close range and had no
0: effect. No effect whatsoever. And it was like, yeah, three it would be like a dire wolf, going back to the Dungeons and Dragons yeah. time frame, Game of Thrones, but like three to four times the size of a normal wolf. Um and they interacted with this thing for quite a period of time. At one point, it came up and actually nudged one of their hands. Now, again, if I shot something four or five times, and it's coming towards, I don't think I would hold still enough for it to nudge me. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let it touch me. But <laughs> it was almost like it was, you know, asking for help. And they obviously went to that. Had to have been a skinwalker by the whole definition of the term. Well, yeah,
1: and apparently, seeing large animals and things that that happens quite a bit. Now, uh, I was going to talk about their UFO encounters because it seems like those are pretty well documented. Um, the Shermans did claim to see UFOs on multiple occasions, and they uh, saw what they, uh, they figured there were three distinct types of UFOs that they typically saw. One was a small box like craft that emitted a white light, uh, then there was a 40 foot long object, and then another huge ship that they said was the size of several football fields. Uh, one of, they had seen one UFO that emitted wavy red lights or a beam maybe as it flew. Uh, they saw other airborne lights. Some, uh, um, and, and this is what I found very interesting. They said some of them seemed to emerge from orange circular doorways that would just appear in midair. Portals. Portals or, or dimensional travel of some kind. Uh, one UFO followed Gwen's car home uh, as she was coming home one night. And then Terry and his son believe they actually were able to communicate with one of these uh, flying objects.
0: Well, you mentioned something there with some of the interviews I saw with the Ute uh, tribes and the Indians when they're talking about it. Now, their belief is you go there, you will – something will attach itself to you and you will take it back home with you. You mentioned the lady in the UFO had yeah. followed her. That is actually tribal belief that – it's not like you go and visit and witness it and you walk away and say, okay, I'm done – it, it's kind of that almost demonic aspect that you will take something back with you.
1: So Terry and his son, they, they saw a lighted object duck behind a ridge. Like it saw them coming and it was, Oh, you know, crap so it goes, <laughs> goes off to hide. Uh, they snuck up on the object, but before it could hide again, they stood up and they waved their arms at it, trying like to get its attention. Hey, we're here. What's going on? At which point the light flashed on and off three times before it disappeared. Hmm. So, then if you talk about UFOs, you're going to talk about some crop circles. Um, they discovered three at one point in time, each about eight feet across in a triangular pattern, uh, about 30 feet apart from each other. In a nearby pasture, they found strange soil impressions, circles three feet wide and about a foot or two deep, with the dirt at the bottom completely flat, as if some large the object landing had been gear rested. Kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, immediately you think landing gear. Yeah. Now, Terry... One time, while out walking the field with his family, dogs heard male voices speaking an unfamiliar language coming from the sky above him. Not odd at all. That's not weird. No, not a little bit. Uh, They seem to be, he said, about 25 feet above him. I I don't know how you're going to judge the distance of a sound like that, but he said they sound like it was about 20 feet above him. So, of course, he's looking. He doesn't see anything. And I guess at that point, the dogs just went nuts, started barking and growling and freaking out, and um, eventually ran back to the house without him.
0: Well, that reminds me, in April of 2020, they had some more camera footage. Um, A group of cattle, all of a sudden, they were calm, they were feeding, all of a sudden just run, almost stampede to the opposite side of the fence. When they look up in the sky, there's one of these cube boxes that you mentioned that seemed to be pulsating To a point, it it resembled a portal, is what they used to describe it. And they checked, and the uh, RFMI, microwave waves, uh, were through the roof. Uh, It definitely was coming down from the sky. They thought it was probably 100 foot up in the air or so. And it was almost like threatening the cattle. The cattle knew what this was. (laughs) They didn't want no part of it. And it was to the point where they nearly tore down fences to get away from it.
1: Well, we're going to talk about cattle. Let's talk about some cattle mutilations.
0: Oh yes, they
1: uh, the the Shermans claim they had the systematic and repeated mutilation of cattle. They would say, uh, I think they lost it. they had the death of at least seven cows on the property while they were there. Three were found dead, and mutilated, while others just completely disappeared without a trace. Um, but but you know the cows they found mutilated. They found one cow dead with a hole in the center of its left eyeball, mm. otherwise untouched. No sign of predators, no footprints, no tire tracks, nothing to indicate it had been attacked. No trace of blood, which I don't know how you drill a hole in somebody's head or someone's head, no blood, some yeah. creature's head. Uh, but they, they had a strange chemical odor that they noticed in the area. Later they found another cow with a similar hole in its left eye, and and we're going to get a little graphic here, a six-inch hole about an inch deep carved out of its rectum. Ooh. They seem to be
0: anal probing yeah. again.
1: Uh, again, they had the same chemical smell as before. They went looking for a cow one time. It was uh, in the winter time, there was snow on the ground and they followed this cow's tracks out and they came to the edge of the field near some trees where the prints just stop For, for all intents and purposes, it looks as if this cow was just plucked off the ground. <laughs> now there's a, a circle of broken twigs and branches on the ground around the, the last tracks of this cow. And when they looked up, it looked like the tops of the trees had just been kind of clipped off at a certain level. So,
0: you know, again, this this cow was just abducted by aliens. I have that vision of Twister, the movie with cows (laughs) flying through in the tunnel.
1: Uh, The last dead cow they found was in January of 96 in a clump of trees and had literally been seen by their son not five minutes before. This cow walking around, heading towards those trees. Uh, When they got to the cow... It had a six inch wide, 18 inch hole cord out of its rectum. Mm. <laughs> Again, no blood on the cow, no blood on the snow, the same chemical odor as before, and the same damage to the trees. Like it had a circle of broken twigs and branches, and then the trees above the cow looked like it had been clipped off at a certain height. Now, the Shermans claim that a lot of folks in that area have cattle mutilation issues. Uh, but they report them to the authorities, and since the authorities really can't do anything, couldn't do anything, can't and won't, I'm not sure what the right phrasing is. Right, right. But, you know, there's there's no one to point a finger at. There's no one to lay blame to. So uh, they, they just believe it's a waste of time. So at a certain point, they just quit reporting it. So the Shermans say the cattle mutilations in the whole area are fairly common. Now, all of these wounds on these animals were oddly surgical. Very, very precise. I've heard that, read that. And and, and bloodless, which I don't know. What what do we say? An 18 inch deep hole? How? With no blood. How's that even possible? So, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, again, you got UFOs, you got crop circles,
0: you got strange disembodied voices, giant wolves, <laughs> cattle mutilations. KSL TV, uh, which is a, a local Utah channel, and October 26th of this year. Did a special feature on it. And part of this was because of the TV series giving some light uh, or exposure to Skinwalker Ranch. They just went through and they interviewed different people. And it was like little blips. And it was like, what what have you experienced on Skinwalker Ranch? And yeah. it starts off kind of slow. It was very interesting. Here are things that people, as they're going to different people, they're, just, they're spouting off. I, it was kind of amusing to me. Shapeshifter. Uh, another one says Radio Frequency Differences. Spikes in radiation, unseen energy sources, precognitive non human intelligence. There's a mouthful. <laughs> malfunctioning devices, power surges, batteries draining, RF sensors, strange funnels seen in the sky, which I saw some pictures. It looks like multiple tornadoes kind of coming different directions. Weird. Very weird. Um, slender shadow torpedo cigar shaped uh, UFOs. Uh, they've had failed drone launches, overpowering surges that have blown up electrical devices. It was just like, thump, you know, too much power surges. Um, one I thought was interesting in some of the old uh, abandoned buildings that were on the ranch, they actually caught flames sparking out of midair. Uh, this would usually be along the, the ground. Uh, one video footage, it seriously would look like a Bic lighter. It was that type and that large of a flame. It's, just it's, spark here, and then like eight or nine inches away, it sparked. And you can see, I mean, there's nobody there with a cigarette lighter. The or anything. The stuff that happens here is it's such, just bizarre. Such a range. Uh, not to mention, it's they have beams like spotlight beams, like I imagine out of a lighthouse or whatever. They're saying that it comes from the sky down to the ground as well as out of the mountains, as well as out of the ground up into the sky, all over the ranch. Now, you might say, okay, well, there's got to be some stuff to explain this. I might also add, Indian Reservation, nor the ranch, has any cell phone towers. They're not allowed, so that's not going to be messing up your <laughs> readings. It's a wide open area. I mean, it's a pl- you, there's nothing around it, which leads you to believe, okay, minerals in the ground. I know in our spelunking group for many years ago, we found caves here in Missouri that you'd put brand new batteries in a flashlight and it would drain it. We figured out it was minerals in the ground, but whenever you dig the vibration seems to enhance whatever happens, not only more sightings, more visibility, but the surges and the power increase. One of the guys who actually works on the series was investigating some old cisterns and wells, was back at these buildings and he had mentioned several times uh being kind of a a hired hand on the ranch nauseous feelings he would get almost incognitive turned around dizzy now in that like emf extreme
1: extreme emf causes nausea absolutely and they've proven that when you're
0: exposed to extreme emf you you do experience or make you experience unusual and gases things. would make you dizzy uh so he goes back and he drops down sensors into these wells he's thinking it's something coming out of the earth um he got so dizzy another guy had to grab him he almost fell into <laughs> the well so again they're thinking okay well we got natural gas we got something leaking there was no registrations of that however this gentleman when he leaned over into that well he came out and within moments had what looked like blistering on his face from radiation. That well, sounds like radiation. They took him to the hospital, specialist. It was declared radiation. They picked up extremely high radiations in that well, or that uh, cistern. He had a large egg-sized growth on the side of his forehead, which came detached. We're getting a bit graphic Ugh. here. And part of his scalp was falling off. Ugh.
1: That's like extreme. That is extreme.
0: So the owner of the ranch is now thinking we've got some really, some bad stuff. So they went back to retake the readings. Radiation was fine. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) Um,
1: We talked about Colm Kelleher earlier Uh, in March 12th, 1997, while he was doing some investigating, he noticed a, uh, it was at night. He noticed about 50 yards away, perched in a tree 20 feet off the ground a large humanoid creature spying on his, his activities. Hmm. Uh, here we'll quote him it, it lay motionless, almost casually, in the tree. The only indication of the beast's presence was the penetrating yellow light of the unblinking eyes as they stared fixedly back into the night. Creepy. That sounds a little like the Mothman almost. Yeah. Uh, he fired at the creature. Of course. Because what you do, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, which, of course, disappeared. And then as he was looking around the area, he found a large single track, an oval shape with like two claws to, to for lack of better phrasing, uh, deeply embedded in a patch of snow not far away, like a single track of like a large bird of prey, hmm. um, but, but sunk deeply into the snow. So definitely not a light creature. Um, but, you know, that that could be, you know, very Mothman-esque there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was, I was thinking as I went through some of this, you could almost tie this into some of the, the other stories.
0: Oh, yeah. This place has like a little bit of this, a little bit. Of, it's like yeah. a buffet.
1: Now, I did want to touch on, uh, you know, we, we can go off of Skidwalker Ranch and still experience the unusual and the strange. Nearby Bottle Hollow, 420 acre man-made reservoir on the Ute land that abuts to the, up against the ranch. Now, the youths believe that springs and certain waterways uh, and res- were reservoirs of negative power. Uh, there would be evil spirits or sprites that would rise up out of the water to drag you in. And we've had that conversation before yes. when we talked about the Oklahoma octopus. Yeah, yep. So, in 1998, a police officer saw a large light plunge into the reservoir and then reemerge, flying off into the night. And then in 2002, four young men, non, not natives, uh, we're standing on the shoreline so a like blue-white ball of light entered the lake. It emerged moments later in a new form, a shimmering belt-shaped craft. Wow. After performing a brief, writhing dance in the air, the belt of light zipped away at a high rate of speed, hugging the ground before disappearing over the top of Walker Ranch. Wow. There we go. So- You know, we we talked about waterways back when we did Oklahoma Octopus, that the natives believe that some of these springs could be, you know, connected underground and and hard, you know, be places of evil. Well,
0: to a lot of the native tribes, underground, you know, caves and the rivers and the creeks are are no different than the arteries and veins of the body. I mean, it's, yeah, it's sacred. There's a couple other things I wanted to bring up. Uh, Back on the homesteads, Uh, now, one of the areas, homestead number two. They said that was probably built somewhere in the early 1900s, 1910, 1920. That area is, in the words they say, is believed to be haunted. Uh, We've talked a little bit about all the other stuff. I want to touch uh, base a little bit of paranormal. Yeah, let's put
1: some ghosts in there.
0: Um, They've done several paranormal investigations in these uh, dilapidated kind of shack buildings. Uh, They've got the typical battery drains we've mentioned. Uh, some of them experienced vertigo, which we also mentioned. A new one was they would have no sound. It was like their hearing would stop working for a period of time. They could hear nothing. We uh,
1: talked about something similar just when we were doing Civil War Ghosts when they, they it was like they were hearing the, the battle but they couldn't hear each other talk.
0: Yeah, yeah. We yeah. we talked about maybe time travel and yeah. it was through the portal and, and yes, they've had that. Now they did find they called it a cave uh, that is nearby. It's actually kind of a on on the mesa towards the top of the mountain is a sinkhole. This is kind of hard to imagine, but it's got some rocks and boulders that overhang, but it's collapsed. So it goes down inside the mountain. And around that cave area, in particular, electronics just, I mean, like watches with batteries won't work. Uh, EMF readings won't work. Cameras won't work. Um, they're getting, they say, five gigahertz signals recorded. Um, but that can explain the weirdness in the electronics. But they're not sure what's causing all of this. But they've had shadow people. You know, we've talked about shadow yeah. people uh, around these houses and stuff, uh, homesteads in the back of the ranch. Uh, They have heard disembodied voices. They have done recordings and caught what was described as demonic sounds, clicks, garglings. So again, yeah, we've got ghosts here. We've got paranormal crop circles, beams out of the mountain, (laughs) beams out of the skies, unidentified flying objects, shadow people. Um, It's like, it's like somebody took a big wheel of fortune board and just
1: put everything you can think of. And yeah, When you show up, you just spin that and you get what you get.
0: Now, a lot of people do believe one theory is that this is some type of a vortex. Um, Maybe where different times come together, Um, interdimensional travel, if you will. Well,
1: I mean, we talked about the doorways that just open up in in the the air.
0: Yeah. Cows disappearing, you know, could be sucked into a portal. One of the new researches that they have, and this isn't a theory, this is some new proven stuff um, with TV series that's coming out. They kind of left us here as a cliffhanger. They started really pursuing what's under the ground, thinking the source may be under the ground. They did deep penetrating radar, um, sonar waves, and what they have discovered is perplexing to say the least. A cigar-shaped room chamber about a thousand feet long and about 150 to 200 feet below the surface. Well, now that's big. That's big. a thousand feet long, yeah. cigar shaped. Uh, they have deemed it is not natural formations. Now I'm not sure how well you can tell with all the the radar, but the belief, the theory is could this be, One, an underground government bunker where they have tested stuff, maybe. Obviously, the second one is, do we have a craft that for some reason is buried below the earth there? Wow, that would, again,
1: I mean, we get into these really X-Files-like things here.
0: Oh, this is right out of the chapter of X-Files, yeah. I mean,
1: of course, there's a part of me that they, they definitely need to start digging.
0: Yeah. You know, that, but every that's, time that's they dig, people well, get sick. Well, yeah. uh, the cancer, like cancer, people have developed cancer. The radiation, <sighs> pieces of the scalp falling off. Yeah. Um, so I mean,
1: it's, what do you do? You roll
0: the dice. Uh, hire somebody it? to do it and leave the ranch the, yourself. The
1: <laughs> HBO Chernobyl series. You get you get some kind of industrial robot. You make him go out there and yeah. do it.
0: Yeah, That's what you do. That's what you do. I like that idea. Let's <laughs> submit that. All right, well, we hope that you enjoyed this and yet another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hey, this is Eric, and I just wanted to give a little reach out and a plug to our first paying sponsor for Nightmares on the Lost Highway. That's our little family uh, toy and gaming shop here in Lebanon, Missouri, called Raven's Loft. If you happen to be in the central Missouri area, please check us out. We have two locations. First one is at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon. We've also branched out to a second location out at the Heartland Antique Mall, also here in Lebanon. You're going to find all kinds of vintage toys, Star Wars, Star Trek, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Mego, Universal Monsters, all types of gaming, board games, Magic the Gathering. So we would appreciate it if you'd uh, stop by. You can like our Facebook page. Uh, Swing by and check us out. Thank you so much. I would like to thank uh, Alex Tudor, who has been helping us uh, a lot uh, with our endeavors on this podcast.
1: You can call him our producer at this point, I think. Our
0: producer, electronic recording technician. uh, um, He's uh, the one that's setting up all the mics and the hardware in the background. And then Bill Weirs is going through taking his time to try to clean and edit this up and uh, give us the best possible version that we can present to you folks. want to thank everybody involved with that.